Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. the Flyers Talk podcast. Katie Emmer and Jordan Hall bringing you some more content during the end of this week. It is Thursday today. We still have a lot of uh, news to recap from the Flyers. We've heard uh, from some of the players. We're going to talk about some things that we've heard from them. We're also joined by a special guest, Jordan. It's so great to have him on. Give him the intro. Yes, Katie. I am incredibly excited to Introduce to everyone, Joe Fordyce, our pre- and post-game live producer. Joe, thanks so much for coming on. I wish we were talking about some games, but unfortunately, yeah. we still sit and wait. Yeah, that's completely true. Uh, we're all pretty distraught in every episode, but you guys, we still have things to talk about, and um, we're still optimistic. There, there's always It's a fluid situation. There's always things changing. So um, each episode, I feel like we always have some sort of update. And today, the update is we've heard from uh, a player on the last episode, well, I think, uh, yeah, we, we talked about Drew uh, a couple episodes back. We've heard from him. We've heard from James Van Riemsdyk. And then earlier today, um, Jordan, big conference call with Kevin Hayes. Heard a lot about his personal um, endeavors, just, you know, how he went back to Boston right away. His family, um, he's close to everybody. And also just the struggles with, uh, you know, him missing the rink. I believe he hasn't skated since the practice before the team headed to Tampa Bay three weeks ago already. And just concerns about that, just talking about um, him biking, Jordan, but he hasn't been skating. What what did you take from the conference call today and, and what did you hear from Hayes himself? Yeah, it's another player that we talked to, Katie, where uh, he hasn't been skating and how can they really? Uh, Chuck Fletcher even said it the other day that, He's pretty sure none of his players are obviously skating. They're working out on their own time and staying in shape. But uh, that's just, you know, how like when was the last time players when, you know, two plus weeks without skating? Um, and that kind of gives you a little glimpse of how crazy this could be when they the league is eventually able to resume. Um, how much time is it going to take for these players to get up to speed? But, um, but yeah, Kevin Hayes is doing well. He's in Boston, like you said. Uh, back home, um, had some fun things to say about the Flyers group chat. Michael Raffle shaving his head, and the the, the guys have been giving uh, Raffle a hard time on that. Uh, he st- he's staying busy by working out uh, on the Peloton bike. He he has a friend that lives right across the street that has a gym uh, in his living unit, so he he has the pleasure of working out there too. And then yeah, just kind of hanging out. He said he's cooking for the first time in his life. Uh, he's been playing some video games with Scott Lawton, Joel Farabee, and kind of like all of us, just trying to stay busy, kill time. Uh, but Kevin Hayes is a good guy, and it, it, it's cool to talk to him. And he just gave a glimpse of kind of um, how he got into 
the leadership group of this team and how he said he was kind of cognizant of not trying to be too loud early on. He knew this was Jacob Voracek and Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier's team, and he went into it with uh, kind of standing back and watching. And then he said two weeks in, he kind of let his personality show, and uh, all of a sudden he's himself. Uh, so it was it was great talking with him, and, and it reminded you of how special this season had been for them and for this team and for Kevin Hayes and all the, the additions they made. Um, and the, the thing that really stood out to me was just kind of the sobering thought that he had of, all the work they put into this season and how he thought this this team kind of had a special feel to it and the realization that they might not be able to see it through is kind of hard to uh, wrap their heads around. But uh, that's something they have to think about over this break is will they ever get to finish this season? But uh, hopefully they believe that uh, if they don't finish this season, they have a lot of excitement uh, brewing for next season and beyond. But uh, that's kind of what stood out to me. And I yeah. know Joe, Joe Fordyce, you had – um, an interview with Kevin yourself, along with Karen Hatcher. A lot of fun stuff to come from that. What did kind of uh, what did Hayes have to say in that? He came in and he knew that it was Voracek and Giroux's team. But but a, a leader doesn't walk into a room and say I'm the leader. They just become the leader by the way the other people treat them. And I think that's happened to Hayes this year. Um, today, it's funny because he talked about, like you had mentioned, how he hadn't been skating. But we, what he said in the interview with Karen is that if they come back and they start with the playoffs, you're going to have a ton of teams and a ton of players entering the playoffs healthy, which is not something that happens on most seasons. So it's almost like a trade off. Like you won't be in, you won't have been skating and doing regular workouts, but a lot of guys are going to be a lot healthier than they normally are. And he seemed excited about the prospect of that being the case. If the league were to come back and just start up with the playoffs, which it seems like is almost the only option at this point, some sort of playoff format, which may not even be the one that we are used to seeing. Yeah. And something going back to, so we heard from him twice today with Joe, your interview with Taryn Hatcher that you uh, over your produced for, and also on the conference call today, something that really popped out to me on that conference call, going back to that was, I mean, you talk about video games, Jordan and Kevin Hayes saying, you know, he doesn't think he's played Xbox or turned it on in about three years. And he's been able to, uh, to get back to that. So certainly uh, uh, fun to hear about those, those teammates all picking the games back up and, and uh, staying active there. But Something for me that really stood out from what he said um, was the idea about, you know, they, uh, uh, the question was brought up about playing in a neutral site and just the playoff question in general. Um, Joe, you bring up the fact, you know, all these players, different teams, it's like a trade-off because different players are going to be healthier. Another thing I think about is, are there going to be fans or aren't there going to be fans? Like, there's so many different circumstances right now that this is such a fluid situation, like I said at the top, and we all know, um, things are changing every day. But when you start to sort of picture maybe how things are going to look and and what you feel, it's interesting to hear what the, the players feel. And Kevin Hayes today saying that, um, of course, you know, doesn't want to picture the fact of this season being over, as Jordan mentioned. The boys were rolling. Um, he was, He's uh, really excited about this team and they were having fun. Uh, but just the idea of either it's over, but if it's not, he would be open to playing with uh, zero fans. Uh, really interesting to hear that because I would think a lot of these players, and again, of course they would want to get on the ice regardless. You know that everyone wants hockey to get back, but 
him just saying that, d- does that surprise you at all, um, Joe, just to hear Kevin Hayes, a guy that builds off of energy from the crowd who, who loves to uh, please the fans uh, in person, uh, does that surprise you that he would be willing to go back out there with no fans? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm surprised by it because um, at this point in time, I feel like there's such appetite for live that they, they're going to know that the people that are watching on TV are going to be rabid about any games that are happening. So, and it's, you know, it, I don't think that it's going to be as simple as, okay, guys, go to this empty building and play a game because the, the league's going to do it up. They're going to make it an event. Not there may be 20,000 people in the arena, but they're going to, um, and, and I think the players will be able to sense that. Of course, it's going to be different, but this is a, a different um, This is a different situation. It's not a situation anybody's ever had any experience dealing with. And I think if the option is to not play or play with no fans in the building, I, I, I don't think any player is going to choose to, to, you know, to sit home as opposed to play in a game. Yeah, Jared, what, what do you think with that? Yeah, Katie, I think it would be, one, it would be insanely different. Like, the fan base, the fan bases in the NHL are, are what really make the Stanley Cup playoffs unique and different, uh, just given how fans just get so into that tournament. Um, but I also think it doesn't surprise me a ton because I think the optimistic Kevin Hayes is just saying, I will, we will do whatever it takes to finish the season. If we need to hold the playoffs and there's no fans there, then... We need to make the best of it. He, Kevin Hayes is a very optimistic person who's willing to do what's asked of him. And um, it does surprise me a little bit because I can't imagine the Stanley Cup playoffs without fans in the building. It would just be yeah. – I just don't know how players would react, how they would play with no one reacting how they play. Um, but I think it's Here's- a desperation time. I think it's desperation time. It's basically saying, you know what <laughs> – However we can do and whatever we have to do to get back on the ice, we will do. Um, Katie, can you honestly yeah. wrap your head around them holding playoffs with no fans in the building? Yeah, I'm in the same exact boat. I think we could all agree on that. It's hard to picture a Stanley Cup playoff without fans. Um, and, you know, he alluded to that, too. But, I mean, he had a good point, guys. He said that without fans, I mean, home ice advantage really doesn't mean anything. To, I mean, yeah. wherever you go, it's like you're. there's no fans. Um, that's kind of the, the biggest trouble is, you know, playing away or playing on the road is the opposing team's fans. And you really sort of have a home ice advantage wherever you go. So he had a good point with that. Um, I feel, again, there's different positives and negatives. Positives, of course. You get the sport of hockey back. You get to award a Stanley Cup. But uh, negatives come with that, too, and it just comes down to uh, what's going to take the, the ladder, and um, we'll definitely see, and we'll keep updating. Uh, it's good to have content, guys, every every podcast or something new with this situation. But, again, it's all about a bigger thing than sports right now, so it's, it's all just slowly coming out more and more. We will definitely see, um, but it would be hard to picture a Stanley Cup uh, playoff, guys, without fans for sure. If I can say this, too. Okay. I'll say this too. I think that will be a last ditch effort by the NHL because if you're playing without fans for the entirety of the playoffs, that's a huge, huge hit in revenue. And ultimately, the NHL is a business. Like, we love the game, we love hockey, we want to see it, but they need to make money as well. 
So I really think that would be a last, last ditch effort to try to save this season. Um, I think they're going to do their their best or their darnest to try to get this in with fans and have it be like it was. Um, but we shall see. But Joe, go ahead. You were uh, going to say something. Yeah. So what stood out to me was I, I, I saw the report that the NBA is considering having all of the playoffs in Las Vegas, a, a basically a tournament. It didn't say whether it was with fans or not, but that is another scenario where you sit back and you think about it, and let's say something like that were applied to hockey. Now, clearly it wouldn't be Vegas because the NBA would be doing it, but let's just uh, you know pick a uh, pick a city that. You know, I don't know, Nashville. Nashville's been uh, one of the hot hockey markets in recent years. And say that they're going to do a whole, basically a tournament style in one city. Um, I, I think that's a, they could come up with something to replace some of that revenue. Is it going to replace the revenue of, you know, 16 different buildings hosting playoff games? No. But if you make it a unique experience, Along the line, I think there are ways to make up some of that revenue. And I found that that to be an interesting thing by the NBA. And it got me thinking, like, if the NBA is willing to consider this, what are the other sports, hockey in particular, willing to consider to get these playoffs in into a war to Stanley Cup this season? Um, and w- we asked Kevin Hayes about that today. And his response, he, he seemed to be willing to try anything. He thinks that the play- we would have a- unbelievable attention on the playoffs. And I, I would tend to agree with that. And you talk about, because that is a good point, you know, seeing that that news with the NBA and, and different teams modifying, bringing up ideas to modify things. Um, certainly will be, uh, you know, interesting to see how the NHL maybe builds off of that. But for sure, we're hearing the NHL asking for arena availabilities through the summer. So I feel like, I feel like, of course, and, and we all know this, nothing's official. I mean, nothing's going to be official, Jordan, as you said, until the final um, the final buzzer, I guess we could say in this, the final maybe goal horn. Is that a better version to use in this <laughs> uh, scenario? But, um, yeah, I feel like you're just trying to, if you're in control of any of these leagues, you're just trying to make so many options available for you in so many different areas, just like we are um, at NBC Sports Philadelphia. We're trying to have so many different ideas going around just to keep filling the time. Um, and and it's been fun to be creative. But in this case, for different league um, organizers, I don't know if it's that fun for them, but I think it's just keeping your options open. It will be interesting and we'll keep uh, we'll keep looking into that. And as each day goes on, we will find out more and more as that gets closer. But another thing today, uh, other than hearing from Kevin Hayes, Joe, uh, you also um, facilitated an interview with Mr. Michael Barkan and uh, some special guests joining him, Keith Jones or Rick Tockett. I couldn't even I, I heard a little bit of it um, earlier from you today, just with hints of, of how that went on, how that conversation went on, but had to be entertaining. Um, tell us some of the big moments from uh, what they talked about on this Thursday. Yeah, so it was interesting. We began talking about the uh, the five overtime game in 2000. Uh, we're coming up on the 20 year anniversary. Uh, that'll be in May, and both of those guys were on that team, and they talked about the different things, the craziness that was going on as that game got longer and longer. Um, Talk told a story about how Jonesy came out. Everybody's doing, you know, doing the Gatorades and all the energy stuff, and then Jonesy came out of. Uh, 
out of the back room of the locker room with a piece of pizza hanging out of his mouth. And that was his uh, energy supply. And he said, uh, I think he said something to the effect of uh, that the uh, the fat was going to take over at that point. Um, and that was between one of the overtimes, you know, and the next one as that game got uh, later and later. So they had some good things, uh, good times talking about uh, all the everything that that game meant to them. And um, Tox said once they won that game, of course, with Keith Primo's winner in the fifth overtime, he knew the series was over. He knew it was their their series to be had. And then, of course, the Flyers went on to uh, lose in the next round of the New Jersey Devils, which uh, turned out to be uh, the last time we saw Eric Lindros in a Flyers jersey. Um, so, so some good uh, reminiscing about that five overtime game that they were both a part of. And then we did a, had a bunch of discussion about the state of the league. And, and one thing that stood out to me that, uh, that Tox said, uh, him being the coach of the, the Arizona Coyotes, the, the Coyotes currently sit four points out of a playoff spot. And when the subject of playoffs and different possibilities came up, he said, at this point, we're, you know, we know where we are in the, with the things going on in the world right now. And if they came to us and said, we're going to play a playoffs and it's going to be the 16 teams that are in the playoffs right now. We would just basically have to suck it up and eat it. And I found that interesting considering he's one of those teams that's just on the outside looking in at the playoffs, but totally gets it. So that was a bit of a different perspective from a guy who's totally entrenched in the playoff race. Um, so that really stood out to me uh, uh, as you know, the uncertainty of this situation is, you know, different people have different reactions, but that was kind of a firsthand look. Yeah, crazy to think a guy like Rick Tockick, as competitive as he is, uh, would understand that situation, just given where we are in the world. And um, I think that really speaks volumes to this situation um, that, it, you know, Tockick, as competitive as he is with, with a team right on the cusp of the playoffs, would you know, would understand uh, that's kind of, you know, there's going to have to be compromise with, with this situation. And Katie, as we as we talk now about playoff scenarios, has your mind shifted at all about you know w w how the NHL will approach the playoffs? We had James Van Riemsdyk tell us the other day that he thinks it's a unique opportunity for the league to get creative with its playoff format, whether it be adding more teams, um, shortening or lengthening obviously not lengthening, but more so shortening the series. But he, he really hit on adding more teams to it. Um, ha has your mind changed at all about how the NHL should go about this? Or do you think they're just going to have to kind of end the regular season and just jump right into a normal format? Yeah, I mean, it goes right back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, where are the playoffs going to be had and if there's going to be fans? With that, this playoff format is just as big of a question mark. Um, I stand by it. I did say, you know, I think a couple episodes I'll, I'll keep saying the way I feel best fit right now. And it all comes down to how much time is going to be allotted. I mean, there's, there's no way if you have, uh, if you don't have enough time before the next season starts, who knows, but that is again, worst case scenario, how I would see it fit is, is, uh, starting out having a best of five, um, in a different, maybe format for the teams that, maybe are trying to get in. Maybe that's, again, Rick Tockett's Arizona Coyotes, Joe, that you just talked about, just different scenarios for other teams trying to make it in. Um, I, I I don't see it fit best to just, you know, cut it right at the line and, you know, tough luck for the rest of the teams. That It may come down to that, 
but I see it as shortening the series and um, finding a way to, to maybe, you know, have the teams in, um, maybe have a creative format that maybe James Van Riemsdyk was referencing there, just getting creative. So maybe that's where the creativity will stem from. That's how I would uh, see it best fit. And again, maybe you're creative with the teams that are trying to find a way into playoffs and do some sort of tournament <laughs> that maybe isn't all in one spot, Joe, uh, jo, that you mentioned earlier with the NBA. Like, we will completely see. That's how I stand, Joe. What about you? See, uh, Katie, it's interesting. When we we brought this up, uh, the show, we the Orange Line show we were, pre- yeah. we were doing earlier this week uh, with you and uh, Bundy, we talked about uh, an expanded sort of playoff format, like with teams that are on the outside looking in. Now, we've seen eight seeds win the Stanley Cup. The L.A. Kings were an eight seed. The Flyers made the Stanley Cup final as a lower seed. So what's going to happen when you say, let's say you have your nine and your ten. Let's just arbitrarily say it's your nine and your ten from each conference. All of a sudden, they get told that they are in the playoffs. And now they're, they're reinvigorated that they're all of a sudden in the playoffs. Let's say one of those teams gets hot. Uh, we're talking about crazy one once in a lifetime stories um, for teams that weren't expect that were expecting to go home after this coming weekend because um, with the the season would have ended this coming weekend. So um, I, I really think a, a, a an expanded playoff format would breathe life into those lower teams more so than some of the middle of the pack or even the higher seed teams because those teams weren't expecting to make the playoffs and now they get told they're in the playoffs even if it's a one game scenario let's say they have to win a game and then they get into a series it's kind of like that whole the baseball thing where you play the one game wild card and then maybe that team gets hot because they've already had to win a game while the other team is sitting waiting to see who their opponent is I think it could get real crazy. It'll be entertaining for the fans. It'll be entertaining for us to cover it. Um, Not sure how all the players would receive it, but the sampling that we've gotten, I think they'll sign up for anything that involves playing games on the ice and deciding a Stanley Cup winner for this season. Yeah, I think the NHL should be open to it because, like Joe said, this 2019-20 season will, will already kind of have an asterisk on it because of what's happening now. Uh, there's going to have to be changes. So why not why not use this time to experiment and give yourself a sample of what of what the playoffs would look like uh, in a different format, and then you you get you can garner feedback on it and then use it moving forward. Hey, did, did that experimentation work in 2019-20? Did we like it? Did it help teams? Did it um, did it spark more interest? Did it help with revenue? And then you can use it next season because already this season has been compromised. So um, I, I think the NHL should be open to it. I think they will. Just giving yeah. more teams in the playoffs means more money and more interest. Um, so I, I do think that will be a fascinating uh, storyline moving forward uh, when, and, when and hopefully it gets closer to resuming this season. Uh, yeah, I do – I, I was going to say, I do find it interesting that, um, Joe, when you mentioned Rick Tockett on that interview, like, I do find it interesting that these maybe some of these coaches are just maybe preparing for the worst right now. Like him saying, you know, well, we'll it's a, it'll be hard to swallow, but we'll just 
I don't know. It's really interesting to me that they're even thinking of that possibility. I mean, I guess who isn't? You kind of picture the worst in a scenario like this. But, um, again, interesting that he's thinking that, but also interesting how, you know, he's maybe responding to that sort of idea uh, coming out. But, Joe, you didn't mention this would be the last week of the regular season, which is just so bizarre. I know all of us are kind of like thinking, what if? I mean, it would be a completely different format. I know – with us at NBC Sports Philadelphia, uh, we haven't seen each other now in officially three weeks, which is nuts, you guys. I miss seeing you in person in the last three weeks with that. I just want to hear how you guys have been uh, keeping up and um, staying busy, I guess. Joe, I know you're a busy dad. Um, you got a lot of things going on all the time. Uh, in the last three weeks, have you been using this time to your advantage in a way of just looking at the, the brighter things and just trying to maybe start new hobbies or, or new things to keep up with? to keep you busy? Well, I've kind of learned how to be a, a, a teacher out of necessity. Uh, probably not a very good one. So I've learned that. And uh, I've also um, just in flipping around the channels and some of the programming that's been going on, including us at NBC Sports Philadelphia, you, you've kind of given been given a lot of time to appreciate the history of these sports. Not that we don't always appreciate it, but when, when there's live action in front of you, you don't always have time to think about it. And we've been given a ton of time that we weren't expecting. And it, it makes those moments stand out. Um, I did a couple of things for our website, uh, just reflecting on some history and um, historic playoff series, goals, uh, different things like that, and just, just – Watching some uh, the other night, we, we, we aired the, uh, the Game 7 of 2010 on the comeback against the Bruins. And you, you, you find yourself getting, lo- getting lost in moments like that. And I think I produced postgame that night. And it was kind of like watching it in a different time and not, um, not the way I did that night. Um, it's, it's, it's been eye-opening, and I'll say it's – I'm trying to think of it positively because, you know, you really get to appreciate why we love sports. And I don't think the daily live sports that are happening over and over and over, you don't get a ton of time to sit back and, and think about why it is that you, that we are all so obsessed with sports. Yeah. How about you, Katie? Yeah. I mean, um, I love that Joe brought that up because that was something we definitely, I want to get more into just the whole history to how you just appreciate it. And Joe working around you, Jordan, of course you too, but Joe just being older and working with you for every pre and post. I'm I'm just saying (laughs) older and then experienced. Okay. And that's, that's a shout at you for making fun of me being a millennial every single day. So I don't feel that burn. Anyway. Um, no, but really I'm trying to be complimentary here working with you this first season, covering the flyers, going out to Philadelphia and just working with someone like you, who's so knowledgeable, but also just such a diehard flyers fan. You have so many memories from this team. And so for me, when I look at the bright side of things, it's just what you said, being able to relive these moments now, um, Grew up in Minnesota, but now being in, you know, with the Flyers, being able to really keep up with these big moments that I maybe didn't really see so far uh, a couple years ago or so far behind. Can I speak English today? No. But um, it has been, you know, fun for me having that sort of advantage. Like, wow, this is great. I can relive these these tapes, these moments. And Joe, so great to hear even for you seeing those games live. 
um, they still feel like live games to you. And, and that's mm-hmm. fun um, to hear that. Jordan, what about you? Have you been uh, keeping up running, uh, chasing Charlie around and also keeping up with the, uh, the Flyers uh, website? You've been busy. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, keeping up with family, which has which has been good. Doing that on Facetime, like I'm sure all of us are. Um, and then, yeah, it's, it's really it's still really busy. It's just a different busy. Obviously, you're not yeah. running to and from you know the arena or the practice facility or yeah, you know, racing to a game um, and, and doing it all over again. It's it's now it's it's different types of content that you're trying to to find and build and i've been yeah i've tried to find ways to enjoy it like joe said whether it's reliving an old game um looking back at memories i've thoroughly enjoyed uh joe's articles on you know the past you know top 10 playoff goals uh, or not top 10 uh, joe it wasn't playoff it was um yeah all-time flyers yeah Oh, and you also made an all-time Flyers team, too. Yeah, an all-time Flyers team. Yeah, I got some heat for for a few selections on that one. Yeah. Uh, A couple of the Broad Street Bully uh, uh, diehards checked in with – I I thought I had had six six players from the 74-75 back-to-back champions, and that wasn't enough for some people. But, you know, that's what it's out there for, debate, right? Right, exactly, to to keep our interest in everything – I really enjoy Katie's uh, for for those listening on NBCSportsPhiladelphia.com. Katie is doing a Today in Flyers history uh, video segment. Wow! Uh, thanks for the plug, Jordan. I got Gosh. you, Katie. <laughs> I'll, I'll pay you. I'll Venmo you later. Yes. That. <laughs> so that's been real cool too. You know, like a lot of these things are before I even got into Flyers hockey or before I was obviously working in uh, sports journalism. So. Uh, that's been a silver lining for me is just getting to know more about Flyers history and soaking all that up. So definitely trying to find positives and um, and it's it's interesting. Every you, day. you gotta you yeah. gotta right. I mean that's all you can be guys right now is positive because we can't control everything in this world. Um, right. There's my little motivational. I think I have like a motivational plug every day, don't I? On this episode, I on this podcast. No <laughs> there's my motivation. You but what you said you have to be positive. Absolutely. What was the one you always say in the newsroom? It's a great day to be great, right? It's a great day to have a great day, Joe Fordyce. Well, That's okay. what it is. I got it wrong. You know? I, and I know I know circumstances so, are different. But it's, it's still so a great long. day to have a great day. It's been so long since I heard you say that, along with uh, Get Pucks Deep. Uh, and both teams is, have fun. Right. Both teams, no, as long as they no. have fun. <laughs> it's so true, though. Um, just with, uh, yeah, looking at the silver lining of things, Jordan, I love that you say that. And, um, yeah, we share both of that with, you know, us uh, maybe before we worked at NBC Sports Philadelphia, just some big moments is just a great way to put it and catching up on some big moments um, for the Flyers. So it's yeah. fun to relive it for sure. For I'm sure most of the people in the city of Philadelphia and Flyers fans in general, but for us, it's really cool to uh, look back on those big moments. And uh, Joe, as you mentioned, as well as keeping up with some of the re-airs and, and reliving some big Flyers games and moments, you've been busy on the website. And we mentioned earlier, your all-time Flyers team and other big of playoff goals and whatnot but with the flyers team i'm really curious to see or to hear how you came up with a lot of these these guys on your team obviously i i saw it some of them are, are givens but how did you construct this did you find any advice from maybe our fellow analyst on uh flyers pre and post game live or did you give any calls to anybody else 
I did. I talked to uh, I talked to Chris Terrian a little bit about it. Um, but basically what I did to start it out was I kind of separated the eras. So there's the, the back to back champions. Then there's the 80s Flyers that if not for the Edmonton Oilers, one of the greatest dynasties ever in sports, that Flyers team could have been a dynasty. They were so good. They went toe to toe with those guys several times. And then you had the 90s Lindros era Flyers. And then some of the guys that came after that era that were. Um, so I kind of separated it into there. And then I took who were the best players out of those, you know, those eras. So the best line in the history of the team is the LCB line. Now, I didn't see them play. I wasn't born yet. But I know I know about Bob Clark, Bill Barber, uh, Reggie Leach. Um, all you have to do is look at their stats. I mean, they 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 crushed the stat sheet. Um, and then Eric Lindros, um, you had John LeClaire, who's a multiple season, 50 goals, multiple time, 50 goal scorer. Tim Kerr from the 80s teams in the early 90s, multiple time, 50 goal scorer. So, you know, the forwards were, the forwards were easier than the defense, let's say. Uh, and then the defensemen, you had some from the uh, the Broad Street Bullies, and then you had uh, some of the more recent players like uh, Kimo Timonen made that team. Chris Terrian made that team. Most games, uh, most all-time games played by a defenseman in Flyers history, and uh, he, he and Eric Desjardins made up the top pair for six, seven years. Yeah, what pair and, did you put? What pair did you put Bundy on again? They were on he and I kept he and Desjardins together on the third pair, I believe. Okay. But it was more about just getting them to get getting them in there, right? Necessarily, right. who was in the top, you know, top to bottom in terms of pairs. But uh, but yeah, I kept him and Eric Desjardins together since they were uh, they were the top pair for several you know several years. So it was a fun process to come up with. Um, you know, I, I was. It's been a while since I uh, sat down and thought about the history of the team in that way. But then you go back and you start to remember, like, wow, um, I found myself saying, well, Simone Gagne should be on this team based on just my memory. And then I go back to the stats and confirm it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, how about that season? He had 47 goals and 72 games played. And he did this and he did that. And you don't you remember what I was talking about earlier about the appreciating the history doing an exercise like that really brings it all, you know, back to being fresh in your mind. And it, uh, it was fun. It was fun. Jack Kings has partnered with United way to help those affected by COVID-19 to join the rally, take a picture of you in a rally cap posted on social media, take three friends and use the hashtag DK rally. DraftKings will donate $1 to United way until they reach $1 million Visit DraftKings.com slash DK Rally for details. But that'll do it for this Flyers Talk podcast. Thank you so much, Joe Fordyce, pre- and post-game live producer. Thank you for your time. Katie Emmer, thank you so much as well, as always, for being on with me. And I am Jordan Hall. Wherever you get your Flyers Talk podcast, please rate and subscribe. And we can't wait to talk to you next time.